so glad uh, that we get a chance to be together. Matter of fact, before we get started, if you're at one of our campuses or there's other people next to you, elbow them right now and say, it's going to be good. Come on. Elbow some people. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Good to see you. Glad you're here. It's going to be good. Today, we are getting ready for next week. This, this week coming up, I'm just going to be honest with you. You might hear me say this from time to time, but I, I, I sincerely mean this. I am really excited about the next seven days leading up to Easter. We have um, just a fantastic group of things that are happening. We've got great positions and great leaders. We've got great provision. We've got great vision. I, I just see this being a, a, an exhausting, beautiful marathon of reaching our community and sharing the greatest story ever told. So I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here to be a part of getting ready for this. Um, and I, I was thinking, you know, what can I give you today that would really position you to get the most out of the next seven days that are in front of us uh, as congregations, as one, as one church, you know, in, in many locations. And I want you just to think with me for a second about this, and then we'll get into teaching this morning. God and men both speak, right? And they speak in various different ways. There's, there's the command, you know, eat your vegetables, clean your room, thou shalt, thou shalt not. God and men speak in ways that would be like uh, the decree, you know, thou shalt you know, um, brush thy teeth, you know, and, and on the third day of the month of Nisan, thou shalt, right? There's, there's the decree, the law, there's the rebuke. Hey man, I told you to clean your room and you didn't. Now go do it. And God would say things like, hey Israel, what the heck, right? There's, there's, there's that sense of rebuke. We use words for like blessing, you know, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And hey, you know, thank you for cleaning your room. You're, you're such a good kid and I, I'm so proud of you, right? The, the blessing. And then there's the cursing, like a blessing would give you something. A cursing would, would take away something. You're so stupid. You're so ugly. Why, why would you act that way? I'm ashamed of you. Or, you know, God's saying, listen, I gave you the right thing to do. And you, you walked out the door in the rain, you got wet. That's, that's, you cursed yourself. Like I told you how to be blessed, you chose the other way. There's, there's that in our, in our conversation. There's instruction. You know, if you want a girl to like you, hey, if you want a boy to like you, hey, there's instruction like, hey, man, this is how you live on the seventh day, chill. Don't, don't be just running, you know, frantically around your life all the time. Like, relax. You need to rest. It created you to sleep. It created you to eat. It created you to have a day where you could just kind of take a good deep breath and enjoy me. There's encouragement. These are all these different words, right? Hey, you're doing a great job. I'm so proud of you. Hey, you know, you can do it, or you know what, you're, you're not athletic, but you don't sweat much for a fat kid when you run. Whatever the encouragement is, right? There's, there's always something that, that we can use our words. God uses words, we use words. But I, I, wanna, I wanna shift it today to talk about, again, positioning you to get the most out of this. And, and I wanna tell you something else. Um, <clears throat> there's another kind of word that we can talk about right now that I think is gonna change your life. And it's, think of it this way, it's, it's not the house, it's the door. It's, it's not the, the, the rocket ship and the fuel. It's, it's the button somebody presses to make it go off. It's not, it's not the dynamite that fills the, uh, the mountainside. It's, it's the fuse you light that explodes the whole thing and moves mountains. It's, it's not the machine. You think about the largest machine in the world has one little switch that turns it on and makes it function, turns it off. And that's, these are the kind of words I want to talk about today. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about the invitation. Hey, I'm going to go do this. You want to come with me? Hey, uh, my wife and I really enjoy. Why don't you join us? Uh, or as we're going to see in a moment, deeper invitations that can really change the world. So what's an invitation? An invitation is that which is extended from one person to another that opens for both 
a new reality, a new friendship, a new business, uh, a new neighbor, uh, a new walk with Christ. Invitation, that, 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 not, not instruction, not rebuke, not commandments, not decrees, invitation. Something goes, I, I, wanna, I wanna show you this other world and here's the door, that's an invitation. I, I see the potential of who you are and I invite you, you press the button and the space shuttle takes off for outer space, right? That is the power of invitation. You're like, oh, you're, you're exaggerating or overstating it, but, but think about it, am I really? What, what takes 12 guys that have nothing in common and turns them into the disciples and then eventually apostles from which you and I can draw a straight line if we're saved to our salvation? It's simply this, Jesus invited them to join him. So it, it may not look like it, but I'm about to show you one of the most pivotal moments in human history. And you've probably read it a thousand times and you didn't see it because it seems normal. And it is normal, we do this all the time. But this, this moment of invitation Jesus is about to make, again, changes the world. Mark chapter one, verse 16 through 20 says this. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew, and they're, they're casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Here we go, three words. Come, follow me, Jesus said. Come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they dropped their nets, they followed him. Now, when he'd gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his wife Duda, Zebedee Duda, uh, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Now, without delay, he called them. A similar invitation, hey, hey, come here, hey, you see, come here. Nods his head and, and shakes. He sees the others that are there like, okay. And, and they dropped their nets without delay, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. Matthew chapter nine. Verse nine, let's look at the calling of Matthew. He's telling his own story. He says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Two words from come follow me to two words now, follow me. The whole world's about to change. Follow me, come follow me. Follow me, he told them. And Matthew got up and he followed him. Now think of this, one moment their lives were normal and the next moment, Everything had changed. What, what happened in those moments that from normal, 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 birth, adolescence, all the different things, marriage, normal, normal, fisherman, fisherman, nets, father, boat, apostle. What happened? It was the invitation. Jesus, Jesus went up to the button and he pressed it on their destiny. He walked up to the fuse and he lit it. He, he walked up to the door of the kingdom of God and opened it through invitation. He took the on-off switch of their lives and through come follow me and follow me, he switched on the light and literally changed not just their destiny, but mine, yours. These people become apostles. They, they take the gospel to India, to Pakistan, to, to Europe, to Asia. These people die for Jesus and, and the blood of the martyrs is the seeds of the church that literally, they're, they're nobody, they're everybody. There's nothing special about them. And then Jesus presses a button. He opens a door, he lights a fuse, he turns the switch. Through what? Through invitation, right? That's the power of invitation. You say, well, Jesus can do that, he's Jesus. But wait, if only Jesus' invitation makes this happen, then, then, then I'm wasting my time and I'm wasting yours. But what if it isn't just the invitations of Jesus that change the world, it's invitations of others. We find this, the Samaritan village, 
called Sychar in uh, John chapter 4. And Jesus and the disciples are traveling from point A to point C, and they stop in point B, which is this well, to get some water. Jesus is tired. He's hungry. He goes, apostles, hey, there's like a subway on the next block. Would you guys head into town and get me a 12-inch, uh, you know, on, on cheddar bread with uh, tuna and pickles, and, uh, and I'll just wait here. So he's hanging out. Well, here comes this woman. They're walking into town to get the sandwich. And, of course, I'm exaggerating. This is the King Jim version of the Bible. But uh, as they do, there's this woman, angry, kind of scowling, you know what I mean? Kind of got that look and doesn't associate their Jews. I'm a Samaritan. We don't even like each other. They go around each other. They go to get the sandwich. She walks up to the well. And Jesus and this woman, and we don't know her name. She's just the woman at the well. But, but they have this interaction where Jesus asks for water, and she's snotty, and Jesus says, I'm not really talking about water, I'm talking about salvation, and she, she's getting it, but she's resistant to it. You know, when, you, when you've been hurt, she's been married five times, and the man she's living with now won't put a ring on it, because, you know, I can get what I want out of you without making any commitment to you. I mean, she's, she is a damaged soul, as, as we all are, but man, she's hurting. So Jesus is telling her the truth, he's loving her, but how many of you guys know, if you're not used to being loved, if everyone who's been nice to you was only nice to you because they wanted something from you, you learn not to let people be nice to you. And that's what she's doing to Jesus. Jesus eventually breaks through and reveals to her that he is the Messiah, <laughs> something he hadn't done really before this time. And he just tells her, you know about transparency, the, the, the one you're speaking to now, I'm, I'm him, I'm the Messiah. So she now books back into town. The same time she's booking back into town, she leaves her water pot, Forget the water, I, I got this living water. She goes back to town. Now the disciples with the Subway sandwich, they cross paths again. She looks, she looks really hard coming this way. She looks really excited going that way. They get there and all of a sudden she goes into town and this is what she says. Now watch these, ready? She takes the, you know, come follow me to follow me. She does a one word imitation. John chapter four, verse 29. She tells the whole village, come, one word. Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? See, it's not just Jesus. You got to hear me. It's not just Jesus with his supernatural. It's not a miracle. When Jesus invited them, it's not a miracle. It's a moment. It's a miraculous moment. But it's not only miracle workers. A woman who, if she was a believer, had just become one moments before, walks into town and says, come, come and see come. And, and, and they do. Because of this, revival breaks out. Because of this, they have to spend the next two, three days in Sychar, in the village with Samaritans, preaching to them, displaying to them the kingdom of God. I like this. Her, her invitation became their, their unbelievable revelation. John chapter 4, verse 42 says, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now the village people say, and the village people uh, they, they say, uh, now we, we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Now, I want you to hear me. What was it? Was it command? Was it decree? Was it instruction? Was it rebuke? No. What launched the space shuttle was the button of invitation. What opened the door to that village's salvation was invitation. Are you getting this? Are you getting this? Say, I'm getting this. These are, if you're going to use words for power's sake, for the sake of displaying the power of God, you can command, you can decree, you can teach, you can instruct. All this is great. But are you getting this? That some of the most powerful things that will ever happen in the kingdom of God is not because we commanded and we decreed and we rebuked. We invited. 
We went to the door to the kingdom and we opened and said, come, come and see, come follow Jesus, um, follow him, our version of these things. Barnabas, um, is, is, he's mentioned in scripture, he's on the first missionary journey with Saul, who later changes his name to Paul. Um, it's not like he's an unknown character, but you know, Barnabas never wrote a book of the Bible. At least none of the things we would call the Bible today have his, his handiwork in it. He, that wasn't his thing. But let's, let's take a look at what Barnabas' superpower was. And we find this in Acts chapter 9, verse 26. Now, Saul of Tarsus, um, who later becomes the Apostle Paul, prior to his conversion, was, was a little Osama bin Laden-ish. He would go from village to village to village, like the Taliban today would go from village to village to village, looking for the infidel, those who don't believe properly. And because of his Judaism his, and his, his pedigree as a Pharisee, a separated one, a holy righteous man, you know, he's, he's, he's going to kill, imprison, and persecute, torture, uh, remove property from anyone who is a heretic from the Jewish religion that believes and follows Jesus as the Messiah. So he's the Osama bin Laden. He's the Taliban leader. They went from village to village to village. Well, on his way to Damascus, a great light appears from heaven, knocks him on his butt. He's staring at this bright light. He's going blind. He hears a voice, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He goes, who, who are you, Lord? Who, who is this? J.D. talked about this last week. He said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. So um, he made the right decision and let God be God. <laughs> he repented from that, that dramatic, you know, shattering revelation of his wrongness. He repented, he changed his mind from this direction to this direction, and he began following Jesus. Well, it, it, we picked up the story in Acts chapter 9, verse 26, when he, when Saul came to Jerusalem, well, he tried to join the disciples. These other Jesus people, I'm a Jesus person now. I, I need brothers, I need instruction, like, like I wanna connect with you, but they were afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. So this is kinda like, you know, Osama bin Laden saying, hey, I'd like to come speak at your church Sunday. Like, ah, yeah, right? Like, no, you're the guy that leaves bombs. You're the guy that, that orchestrates um, airplanes flying into buildings. You're not coming to my, I, I don't even want you to know where I live. And so they, they hid from him. Like, no, no, we're not going to meet with you. But look at this. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. How did he do that? Well, he grabbed Saul of Tarsus. He put him in a headlock, put a ring in his nose and drug him. No. He took the apostles and said, if you don't do this, you're not really followers of God. No. How did he do it? He said, hey, guys, um, I've heard the guy speak. I think it's for real. Hey, hey, Saul, um, they're a little nervous, but, but they, they'll meet with you. What did he do? He invited and he connected through invitation a, a world-transforming meeting between the apostle to the Gentile world, me and you, and the Jewish Christian church. He did it through the power of invitation. Because of this now, Paul becomes a prolific author. He goes on three missionary journeys and he writes letters to the churches. So we, we get like the book of Romans, we get Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, we get first and second Timothy, first and second Thessalonians, we get Titus, we get Philemon, maybe even we get Hebrews. It's questionable whether or not he wrote it or not, but I mean, we get all these books of the Bible. Why? Because someone invited two people to come together. Do you see the power of invitation? The power, it's an apostolic power, not, not the woman at the well, who if she was a believer, had been a believer for 90 seconds. The power of invitation. Barnabas and Saul 
um, later on, they get called to this first missionary journey. And I'll just read you the story. Acts chapter 13 says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now, that's a, like, ooh, I, I guess we're called to go do something. And, and they, they get their stuff together. They, they're sent off by the brethren. They lay hands on them, and they take off. But look at verse 5. It wasn't just them. When they arrived in Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John, or John Mark as he's known, was with them as their helper. Now, what is he doing there? Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. What's John doing there? What he's doing there is somebody, Barnabas probably because it was his uncle, said, hey, hey kid, we're going to go change the world. Do you want to come? And like all kids, like, I want to change the world. I don't want to clean nets. I don't want to tend sheep. I don't want to count coins at the, at the booth. I... I have this desire to change the world. And, and his uncle said, why don't you come with us? It was an invitation. Now, because of that invitation, we get one of the four Gospels. The book of Mark is John Mark. He's the writer of it. How do we get it? Because someone said, why don't you come with me? Come and see. Come see. Come. A handful, literally, a handful of words that press the button, that turn on the switch, that lights the fuse that opens the door. It's invitation. If you're getting this, nod your head and say amen. Like, what we're talking about is not some benign thing. Like, I, I know, hey, you want to go with me or go on to, like, I, I get that, but it's more than that. There are these divine moments where the power of invitation literally changes the world. Paul, later on in Acts chapter 16, invites Timothy, and Timothy comes along and, and changes the world, becomes an elder in Ephesus. Peter invited Gentile believers who, who their widows are being overlooked with a daily distribution of food, invites them, why don't you just choose from amongst yourselves, men who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom, and I'll turn this over to them. And from that, we get deacons. How many deacons have been appointed since that day because of this simple invitation that has changed the world? Elijah, the, the elder statesman of Israel, invites Elisha, a farmer's kid, who's literally out plowing a field. And, and Elijah holds the record, by the way. Remember, come follow me you know, uh, follow me or come. Elijah says nothing. He literally takes the mantle, the cloak from around his shoulders and he lays it on this kid's shoulders and he walks away. <laughs> he didn't even say a word. He he, there was no explanation. There was no discourse. There never is. There's just an invitation. Come. And in that invitation, what nobody can seem to realize is the world is changing. I, I wonder and, and by a show of hands, so I, I know you're in, if you're in the Linden campus or Pontotoc or you're in Grand Blanc or you will, we'll certainly do this on Sunday in, in Fenton, but, but think of this now. How many of you are sitting here right now? You're driving in your car right now. You're sitting in your home watching live stream right now. And the reason we're even having this conversation is someone somewhere in your life invited you to be a part of something. Can I see your hand? Come on, raise it up. Kim Sivia, raise your hand. I'm watching you. You're right over there. Pastor Jason, your hand better be up. Because Pastor Adam Cook invited you to be a part of the youth team. You became the youth pastor. It's, it's Understand this. Inviting people, inviting people changes the world. In 1981, there was a, a Christian rock concert. DeGarmo and Key was coming to town. And the Hancock family, who lived just off of M59 uh, in, in White Lake Township, you know, had an extra ticket, maybe? I don't even know. But somewhere, what looked like a simple series of events, here's some tickets, hey, we got this thing, hey, we got an extra one, who should we invite? I had them in the right place at the right time because God orchestrated it that way, I believe. And they said, hey, Jim, you wanna go with us to a concert? Now, I'm, 
I'm not living my best life. Really confused about spiritual matters. If you asked me what I believed, I would say nothing. I, I'm an atheist. Uh, and it wasn't because I wanted to be an atheist. It's because not believing in anything sometimes is the easiest thing to believe in because you can never be disappointed, if that makes sense. And I said, do you want to go with us to the rock concert? Because of that rock concert, I heard in, in my teenage heart and understood for the first time the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, hey, I got an extra ticket. Hey, you want to go with us? Handful of words, hey, do you want to go with us? I went. And because I went, Jesus came. That night when there was an invitation to receive Jesus, I stood up from my seat, I walked down to the altar, and Jesus forgave all of my sins. My relationship with God exploded. I walked in in many ways a, a hopeless dope fiend. I walked out that night a dopeless hope fiend because someone said, hey, Jim, we got an extra ticket. You see what I'm saying? In, in 1984, uh, I'd been in the, the military, 1st Cavalry Division. Part of the training is breaking down all the barriers. So I don't care what color you are, who your daddy was. I, I don't care what your political affiliations are. What I care about is you being a soldier. So they break off all these things, and then you do one push-up right, and they go, now that's the way a soldier does a push-up. And everybody goes, I want to do a push-up that way. That's the way a soldier shoots, and everybody wants to shoot that way. They, they destroy you and then build you up in the image of a United States Army soldier, you know, or Marine or Navy or... I imagine the Air Force just ate ice cream and talked about stuff. But the rest of us in the military did, you know, good things. So uh, no offense to the Air Force people, although it is fun to offend them because they, they jump a lot, um, like cat owners and Ohio State fans. But, but in this context, right, I, I had lost, I had abandoned, I'd moved away from that, that living faith, and I'd gone back to the lesser gods of drinking. So it's like I can't celebrate without it, and I can't mourn without it, I can't have a stressful day without that being my mechanism to relieve the stress. You want to go hang out? Okay, who's bringing the beer? Like, it was a part of everyday life. And I remember one day there was a knock at my door. I was listening to the Garmo and Key, a cassette tape. For those that are younger, a cassette tape is a musical playing device that has reels on it and is limited. And uh, so just a handful of songs. And I remember knocking on Doc, opened it up, and Bill, one of the guys in another platoon in my company, was there and says, I know that band. That's a Christian band. Are you a Christian? I'm a Christian. And I, I looked him in the eye and said, I'm not, I'm not really sure what I am. I actually said something kind of funny to me now. I said, if, if I'm still a believer, it's, it's by the grace of God, <laughs> as if it were by my works prior to that, you know. But yeah, I, I, I don't know what I am. I don't deserve any salvation. I, I walked away from that. And he said, hey, come with me to church. And I said, no, man, I, I'm, I plan on being good and drunk Saturday night, and I won't be sober by Sunday morning. And and the next day, hey, I'm going to church tomorrow. You want to go? No, man, I'm going out with Hey, hey I'm going to church tomorrow. You want to go? No. Hey, man, I'm going to church tomorrow. No. I don't. Week after week after week, Bill's knocking on my door. Well, are my, a, a part of a unit that I was a part of got deployed to do some stuff in Central America. And I was gone for weeks doing that stuff. When I came back, it was like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I cleaned my weapon. I turned it in. I, I put everything in its place. I just laid on my bunk about 5 o'clock in the afternoon and the evening just for 10 minutes, I just got to get off my feet. I'm exhausted. I really haven't rested in weeks because of the environments that we were in. You just couldn't let your guard down, you know? And so I, I was just physically, emotionally, spiritually exhausted. I laid on my bunk for five, 10 minutes. I woke up 12 hours later in the same position. Um, and and I, I got up, it's 5 a.m. You know, I, I, I took a shower. And you know, there's a shower like I washed the dirt from yesterday. I had weeks of jungle. It was, it was more like an archaeological dig. It's like, oh, there's evidence of the Mayans. I mean, it was like, it was so, I, I was just filthy. I shaved. 
Um, I wash the paint off my face, the camo stuff. I, I put on civilian comfortable clothing. And sure enough, like seven o'clock, there's a knock at my door. Hey, GM, welcome back. I'm glad, you, glad you're safe, glad you're good. I'm going to church, do you wanna go? And I said, yes. I went to the church that day and about several weeks later, God just restored everything I'd lost. I was a prodigal, I'd come home, I was just bawling at the altar and God was giving me back everything that I'd forfeited that he'd ever given me. It was beautiful. What, what facilitated that moment? Guys, help me out. Was, was it the decree? Was it the commandment? Was it the instruction? Was it the rebuke? It was the invitation. Bill just knocked and a week later he knocked and a week later he knocked and I was gone for several weeks and he knocked and the time was right for me to say yes. 1989, I invited Dina to go to Dairy Queen. <laughs> you know, like think in your life. True or false, the greatest things that God's ever done in your life began with an invitation that looked benign, that looked normal. Because of invitations like, like these, God has so beautifully blessed and positioned me to make the invitations to follow Jesus, whether it's on a missions trip or for salvation or a call in the ministry or for a cup of coffee, to thousands, thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Because of these simple moments, I got an extra ticket. I'm going to church, do you wanna go? Yeah, I'll go with you to Dairy Queen. <laughs> it's changed my life and in some ways every life changes the world. So think of this, in inviting opens a door that can't be opened any other way. It launches, it turns the key, it lights the fuse, it, it, it flips the switch. That's the power of this. Inviting changes the trajectory of a life and every life they'll touch thereafter. Come follow me, follow me, <laughs> come. Or, you know, Elijah. But, I mean, that's all he's doing. It changes the world. And lastly is this, guys. Inviting someone costs nothing, <laughs> takes no special talent, and is considered a sign of friendship, kindness, and generosity. Easter at Freedom Center Church. This is our Linden flyer and social media and the other campuses. You know, Saturday, we've got this outreach of this, like a petting zoo and face painting and animal balloons. It's going to be 54, 55 degrees and sunny, the weatherman said today. Weathermen lie, but I mean, still, seven-day forecast looks like awesome, perfect spring weather. You know, families getting together. There's going to be food trucks parked out there. Just walk up to the food truck. You don't have to pay for anything. It's all paid for. I like two tacos instead of one. I want two ice creams instead of one. And, you know, hey... I got an extra ticket, you wanna go? There's no tickets, but hey, you wanna come with me and my family? You have no idea, just like the Hancock family had no idea, just like Bill had no idea, just like you have no idea that this can change the world. Seder dinner on Good Friday, you need reservations. We got over 500, 550 people now coming to that. I have no idea, they're gonna be stacking them like cordwood, but that's all because of an invitation. We've got a worship night at 6.30 that same night the invitation, come and worship with us. I, I didn't get my reservations at the time for the dinner. Just come afterwards and come and just worship Jesus for dying on the cross for you. Saturday, Linden, we've got this outreach I just talked about. Sunday morning, 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock at both the Linden campus and the Fenton campus. Linden's going to have two services on Easter Sunday. You're going to have to fill this room up. How? By changing the world. Not by decrees, judgments, laws, rebukes, instructions, encouragements by the invitation. So I, how is it you're gonna get the most out of this week? How do I position you 
as world changers to exercise the divine. Man, please pray. Please serve. Please, please attend. But please, please, please invite. There's no calories in it. There's no cholesterol. It's as simple as, hey, you want to join me? And in doing so, you, like others, can change the world. One last invitation. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The greatest of invitations is when God himself says, I have a place for you at my table. I, I am the creator of the button that is pushed, that launches you. I am the one who created you with destiny in your soul. And it begins with acknowledging his love for you, the sacrifice Jesus made for you in dying for your sins and for mine, and saying yes to his proposal of covenant relationship. It's an invitation. Yes, there's decrees. Yes, there's laws. But those have all been broken. Now what we need is an invitation to mercy. Jesus says, come to me. All you are weary, heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. So I leave you with that thought. Heaven has made an invitation to you. So can I pray with you before we go? And then I'll release it back to your campus pastors. Father, if there's anyone under the sound of my voice right now that needs to accept that invitation, we all have no idea what's about to change in the world. But we know that one, one yes to a divine invitation changes the trajectory of, of the planet, of the species, literally. Guys fishing become apostles dying and churches birthing. It, it's, we have no idea what happens once that button is pressed, but today we let you press our button and we say yes, yes, yes to the invitation of salvation, of forgiveness, of clean slates, fresh starts, new beginnings, new births, new anointings. Bury our past and now birth our future. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, you can.